Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And, um, you know, we're here and you're there and we're going to get started right away. I'm going to hold off on the usual announcements. I'm finding that even though it only takes about a minute, maybe a minute and a half for me to go through all of that stuff, let's just jump right into our guest today because uh, it's, it's right up our alley. Our program is right up her alley, as it were, and we're going to talk about how to transform your story, uh, letting go of the past when it won't let go of you. My guest returning to our uh, program here via Zoom, Linda Olson, and I want to thank you for joining us again. This is great to have you with us. Oh, thank you. Uh, My pleasure. It is a lot of fun to talk to you about uh, stories. I mean, we actually started out back in 2007, September, uh, having several interviews with professional storytellers, not authors, mind you, but people who told stories. There was the oral tradition. Um, Is is that an area in which um, you have uh, worked in, dealt with, uh, are familiar with? Uh, yes, it is. In fact, <laughs> it is my favorite subject to talk about is the story. And, you know, it's interesting because it wasn't until several years ago, uh, just prior to my dad's passing, that I realized uh, it was something I had inherited from him. He was a great storyteller in in a small community, even four days before he passed in his hospital room. He had a room full of people from the community and he was still telling stories. Hmm. I have uh, heard it said that um, from an individual standpoint, it's very important for us to um, have some semblance of understanding of our story, which is what we want to talk about today. Um, It seems as though that's very important. Why? Why is that important? You know, story is the number one way we connect with others. And if we aren't in touch with our own story, how are we going to share that with others? You know, we won't be sharing that with others. And yet it's so interesting. I know for myself, it wasn't up until several years ago when I came to complete healing in my personal story. I really believe if someone had asked me, what's your story? I probably would have said, I don't think I have one. But the truth is we all have a story and it's not just any story. It's a story that will transform lives. Most, uh, many stories that we can think of kind of go beginning, middle, end, and the beginning is once upon a time, and ends with, and they all lived happily ever after. I would venture that very few, if any, stories begin and end like that when you're talking about real people and real lives. Well, exactly. You know, that's not, that's not where stories are today. That was, that was fun when we read about these stories and have that happy ending. But as you and I know, and everyone that's listening knows, that isn't reality. People are hurting so deeply today. They have stories. Many of them can't sort out their stories because of their own pain. 
just like it took me a long time to do. But um, our stories don't necessarily have the happy ending anymore. But I'll tell you, they can be stories that um, can build character, can build strength, and stories that can be passed on as a legacy. But if you're still alive, there really isn't an ending. You do have a beginning. I was born, and I grew up, and I am now 60, and I've got another 40 years to go. So there is no happily ever after. There might be a happily uh, ever for, um, for this point in time, but if I've got more future ahead of me, hey, you know, there is no ending. Uh, and, and to me, that's a beautiful thing in, in that sense. Well, it is, because I believe our story unfolds every day. Now, it isn't, our life isn't just made up of one big story, uh, although it may be, you know, an overview, but I believe our life is made up of thousands, maybe even millions of stories, because story unfolds every day. So there are stories of our past. I believe there are stories unfolding every day, and then we will have our future stories, too. Mm. When we start to look for and find and define our story, where do we begin? Good question. A lot of people tell me, I don't think I have a story. Of course, I don't believe them, but it's really what they're asking is, where do I begin? And so I will turn that around and say, have you had conflict? Well, of course they've had conflict. We all have conflict. And I said, think about a significant conflict that has a great, great resolution or solution. Think about the lessons that you have learned from some of the conflict that you've had. And when you find that, that's a story. Okay. I know, too, that in your title, uh, you refer to the title, as I've mentioned to folks already, is Transform Your Story. Uh, but that seems like step two, because step one is you got to find your story first before you can tra transform it. Let's just let's just jump ahead for just a moment to those who have found their story. All right. What about their story needs to be transformed? Well, I would ask them, you know, what are those things that they learned? What are the big lessons that they learned through the conflict that they experienced, and then what were the characteristics in their life that were developed? I mean, if they went through an extended difficult time and came through on some level of victory, my guess is there was strength, courage, boldness, those kind of characteristics, perhaps patience and waiting, um, that were transformed in the process. Mm. Well, of course, you, you know the old joke about patience. I want patience, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and we also know what happens. <laughs> that's right, that's right. When we're that's impulsive, why. we get into more trouble, <laughs> and the stories that end up then are not usually positive stories. <laughs> not, not very, not very indeed. Uh, that's why we need to take the lesson from the Buddha. 
and just stop and just sit down under the Bodhi tree and boom, there it is. That's all it takes is we just need to stop. You have several other books as well. We're going to stay with, of course, uh, Transform Your Story, but we also want to talk about some of the other things you've done. You've done uh, one called Breakthrough. Five, uh, five Simple Steps to Letting Go of the Past, which really does dovetail quite well into this, uh, into this particular book, Transform Your Story, because you talk about uh, letting go of the past when it won't let go of you. Um, is, is that, that seems a little um, incorrect because really we're the ones who hold on. We are the ones that hold on to those stories. Uh, even though, yeah, that particular event from an historical perspective happened. All right. I have documentation and photographs and video to prove that that happened. All right. So maybe from that standpoint, it kind of stays with you. But when we're talking about transforming our story, when we're talking about even finding our story in order to be able to transform it, what are we going to transform it into? Well, that's really a choice that we make. Because when we're hanging on to our story, and when I refer to that, letting go of the past when it won't let go of you, people think so often that, um, you know, if we just stop thinking about it, or um, perhaps we can move. Well, I'll tell you what, we can move across the country trying to get away from our boss, from our spouse, from doesn't matter who it is. But as long as we are still angry about it, that story will stay with us. It will be wherever we go. And so letting go of that really comes to that place of forgiveness to truly, truly let go of whatever it is. And that's, you know, that's a humble place um, to, to do that. So... Uh, that's what the letting go is. What we're going to transform into then is perhaps the angry person, the resentment, the bitterness, whatever it was that we hang, hung on to before. Now we're transforming. As we let go of that, then we are transforming into somebody who is content, who is peaceful, who is joyful. Um, you know, there can be a huge transformation that can happen. But that choice is ours. It's always our choice whether we're going to let go or not. You know, it seems as though there are, uh, and I'm learning this as I, as I move forward in life, there are so many different, slightly different definitions to the word story. Um, and obviously those, those, there are those that are in books and, you know, movies and television and so forth, the oral tradition. But now here we're talking about story as it pertains to us as individuals, personal, private stories. There are those people who have been journaling for a long, long time. Do you feel or think or have you experienced this with people you've worked with who have had to go back to those journals? And sometimes that can be a difficult thing because they end up having to what relive those old stories that are holding on to them, so to speak. Uh, in order to find their story, uh, whereas those people who haven't, um, there's a it's a little more challenging to break through the layers, the shall we say the layers of the onion, 
in order to find and get to the depth and the root, if you will, the core? Good question. I, I think it is very helpful for those that have journaled and, com- and can go back because now wherever they are, 5, 10, 15, 20 years or more ahead, they go back to that. Now, based on their present story, they're looking at the past from a different perspective. And if they are writing about it, let's say they want to take their journals and write a book. Uh, I just had somebody tell me that this morning. That she said, you know, I'm going back, I'm editing, but I'm having to relive all of this. And it is so painful. And I feel like I'm stuck. Mm. And I said, it is very painful, but it can also be very healing at the same time. And the healing doesn't come without the process of walking through the pain. So the other thing that happens is the farther we get away from past events, the more likely we will forget a lot of the details. We may remember, you know, some specific things, for example, was a tragedy or something. They may remember exactly where they were standing and what they were doing when they heard the news, so to speak. But there are a lot of details around it that will be forgotten. Whereas if they had journaled about it, they can go back and pick up on a lot of those details. You know, it's, uh, it's, as I said, it's been fascinating for me to uh, learn about this, this concept, uh, I'll call it, of stories. Um, uh, I know that, that I've been introduced to so many different people, both authors who have passed and those who are still with us that I've had a chance to talk with. Uh, and mythology seems to be... Uh, very popular, uh, not just these days, but maybe make maybe quite a bit. But I've also discovered that a lot of times, uh, even in the mythology, there is some truth. There is some real, real life experiences that someone had, and they've now put it down. Uh, shall we say, in this case, on paper. Um, what about that aspect of, of mythology in the story that we think we have? Um, how, how does one work through that part of it where I remember it this way, and then I might share this with a relative, a family member, what have you, and it's, oh, no, no, actually it happened this way. And somehow I have changed some of the events, I've embellished, I've left some things out, etc., etc. How important are the details when it comes to one's story? I think that can depend on the situation and what we're dealing with. Um, For example, I will tell you that um, my story through a tragic accident on the farm, my little two-year-old brother was killed. I was the one driving the tractor. And I had repressed the guilt so far that no one had touched it. No one talked about this until 15 years later when I stepped into my, my therapist's office And because of her discernment, because of her gifting, because of her training, she picked up on it immediately and said, we're going to talk about that when you're ready. 
And I, I was just blown away because, like I said, no one had even asked me about it in 15 years. And I had no idea that that guilt was there buried so deep. And so she helped me go there and she did it by actually walking me through that horrible, horrible day in slow motion. She's, I want to hear everything. I want to hear the details. I want, you know, and, and so the best I could remember at that point, uh, she walked me through it. And that was the process that brought me to being able to finally forgive myself. And to let go was a huge breakthrough that I had. So in many respects, um, I think those details uh, were important. But more important than that was the emotion and the feelings that I experienced. It was my experience, even if I hadn't shared maybe half of those details but it was about what I had experienced, what I had taken on that day, feeling so responsible uh, for the accident, which I was responsible. And I had to come to a place to fully own that before I could move on. Well, you speak about it, obviously, very openly uh, and, and so forth. And some might even say, gee, you know, she doesn't really sound like she's got a lot of remorse there for the death of her brother. And yet at the same time, it seems to me that there has to come a point, doesn't there, in one story, no matter what the trauma is, whether you were responsible or not, that when you finally get to the place where you forgive yourself, uh, that... Because, uh, I mean, isn't that, it's like a lot of the, 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 the great philosophies of the world uh, and the three basic ones that, that exist talk about forgiveness. And it's a real key, you know, and that ye shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, isn't redemption about, the, isn't that part of the whole thing where you can't, people cannot continue to hold that over your head saying, you did this and don't you ever forget it. And you better remember that the rest of your life until you, you're laying in the grave. There has to come a point that when, right, when we let all of that go, right? I mean, because just like people we've seen, both in public and private life, who have, whatever the stories are that they're holding on to, and, they're, and, and what is it that they say that when you, when you suppress the emotions, it's going to pop out somewhere right absolutely and we're watching it pop out all over the place now with certain certain individuals but again public and private okay we hear so about some of these people on the news uh who just they just blew their top and they did this that or the other thing and hurt themselves hurt other people and, and so forth so would you say that from your experience and the knowledge of the truth that you now hold about what happened when you were a kid to your brother, that you are able to, uh, you know, again, you're, I, I, I'm not saying that you're proud of anything here, but that you actually have been able to let that go and move forward. How, how shall I put this? Uh, you've done your time shall we say, you, you've done your prison sentence, okay, and you've been released. 
but you had to do that. Yes, I would agree with that. But, you know, interestingly enough, even though it took 15 years to for me to forgive myself, um, and it was a huge, huge relief, a big burden that was lifted. But I'll tell you what, for me to come to complete healing was a 45-year process. And, uh, you know, it's not like I didn't enjoy life. I did. And I've had great opportunities, wonderful success in working with people on many different levels, uh, a professional as a marriage and family therapist, uh, at dean at a college in Canada. I mean, there were so many opportunities. But then all of a sudden, I would go along and out of the blue, unexpectedly, something would just hit me, almost put me to my knees. And I'm thinking, wow, what is this? I mean, just when I thought I was doing so well, because maybe at the end for two years, nothing had come up and then something would come up again. But finally, I did come to complete healing. And when I did, I knew that I could, I could move on. And that's when suddenly the whole this whole concept of story opened up to me. And it was like I knew at that point I had a new calling to help others find, create, and share their stories. Could an individual who is actually sitting right now in prison, who actually intentionally and with malice and forethought took another human being's life, could they reach the same place that you have? Even if it took 45 years and they probably have a life sentence so they've got the time, is that something that a person like that could, could come to? Is, is that the real message here in terms of all of us being able to move forward and thrive and live the life that really we were intended to live? Absolutely. I believe that with all of my heart, because bottom line is that's God's grace. And uh, in fact, I know of somebody right now, a professional who works with prisoners to put them on the TEDx stage. And he gets a hold of their stories and, you know, helps them in terms of sharing their stories. Now, many of these people may not have found complete freedom there my guess is many of them are in the process but i certainly believe that is possible that they can whether they are released from prison or still in prison because the prison is really more in their mind i mean they may have the physical bars around them but more than anything their biggest prison will be in their mind mm. Yeah, I know that that's a phrase that is, has been used time and time again uh, when I was working for the Christian station and they were doing prayer, uh, prayer programs. They would have people call in or they had a list of them. They would get the names that came in and what have you and they would pray for them. And uh, they would talk about how, uh, you know, whether you're uh, homebound or this or that or the other or whether you're, you're in prison or in the prison of your own mind— you know, I remember that phrase you know, mm. it, as you just as you just uttered it. 
and I also found that people who would call this pr these programs seemed like the same people almost all the time. And it took me a while to understand why. It wasn't that they were looking for their healing. It was they were looking for connection. Mm. Now, when we find our story and we get to a place where we can share it, because obviously when you work with people and they finally discover their story, it may not be the best story they would like. It's not one of those greatest stories ever told kind of things that they want to share with the rest of the world here. It's like, I'd like to put this under a rock and keep it there, please. I know the story and that's all that matters. When they're able to get beyond that, they've forgiven themselves. They've moved past that. They've set themselves free in that regard. They feel as though they have been redeemed uh, through this work. Um, what about the necessity or maybe we rephrase that the importance not so much the necessity but the importance of sharing one's story you know i i believe it's really important um i'm trying to think of the quote that picasso said um the the purpose of life is to um find your gift uh, no, how does it go? The purpose of life, uh, something about finding your gift, which is your story, and the purpose it, uh, actually is to share it. In other words, once we have truly accepted and received our story and taken full ownership for it, it's only then that we can begin to see this story as a gift. I truly believe it's the greatest gift we've been given. You think about that, of all the people, billions of people in the world, no one has a story exactly like yours. It is unique. It is special. There may be many similarities. The similarities are so we can connect with one another, but there's a uniqueness about your story. And once you own that story, own the gift, I believe the greatest thing you can do is share it with others. Because when people find out where you've been and, and you have fully recovered from that, they want to know how. They're still in pain. So you've connected through your pain, but now you can give them hope by letting them know that you can move beyond that. Mm. I have come up with an equation that basically says... We all have the same emotions. It is the stories that set us apart. So the emotions that we have connect us. Mm -hmm. It's the stories that we have that actually connect us even more because it's like, oh, you're feeling that same pain, but you, did, you went through something totally different. And here's how, as you just reiterated you got through it okay well my pain is the same but my story's different the pain's the same which means it would seem logical to think that the solution would be the same too or pretty close because we're all individuals just like the medical community there are no there are there's no one answer for any two people you know might work for both people but maybe not the same way 
Right. I fully agree with that. It's we connect through the pain, the problems, and what's the negative emotion that those pain and problems bring up. They bring up fear, insecurity, anxiety, loneliness, all of those things. That's what we connect with. Our story may be totally different than the person we're talking to, but we're still, we've been addressing or trying to deal with the same emotion. And once we can share how we got past our fear, or in my case, got past the guilt, you know, then I can let them know that this is what can work for them as well. We're talking with Linda Olson. She is the author of Transform Your Story, Letting Go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. And uh, this is also with a uh, C.J. Catham. Chatham. Chatham. Beg your pardon, Chatham. Tell me about uh, C.J.'s part in all this. Oh, C.J. was my editor, and uh, she did such a fabulous job. I would, <laughs> I would send her uh, a couple chapters of my story, and when she would send them back, I mean, it was like I was back in tears. And I said, are you sure you weren't there? Because it seems like you were. And uh, she did such a phenomenal part of my story. Uh, I, I wanted to honor her and give her credit for that as well. So I included her as uh, on the uh, on the title as well. Well, C.J. Chatham, I thank you so much for your contributions to Linda Olson's work. Transform Your Story is the title of the book. And um, when we send people, as we always do, to our guest's website, we want you folks to go to wealththroughstories.com. Now, there's another aspect of all of this that we want to talk about uh, with you, Linda, and that is the fact that you are holding classes online. Every month, you have this series of classes uh, each month here in 2021, which is uh, part of the decade of Perfect Vision, where we encourage people to go within to listen to that still small voice. And I would venture that that is a key element in finding one's story? Well, it is. Finding one's story and connecting with one another, to just engage with one another and recognize, regardless of, you know, we may feel very much alone in our story. And you know how that is? As soon as we're connecting and engaging, and that's not an easy thing to do today, but to recognize that Uh, somebody has gone through a similar pain or feeling those same negative emotions or lost their job or whatever the loss is, uh, it's amazing what can happen in those connections. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is um, I'm doing five-day challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are free. They're online and uh, just fun and rewarding. So we take through the Zoom calls, we take an hour And I teach a simple concept of story. And because it is a challenge, it's not just listening. It's actually, uh, I give them a little assignment, something they can do that is easy for them to do. But just begin, for example, create a transformational story. And we're going to take them piece by piece. So by the end of the week, they will know how to put their begin putting their story together. 
So what are some of the other topics that you have planned for 2021? Well, for example, in January, I just completed uh, something called Breakthrough in a Moment. I thought that was a great way to start off our new year in just finding a way that we can break through. Uh, some of the other things coming up is uh, find the power in your story. So it's one thing to know we have a story. It's another to know how to find that power that can truly help transform lives. Mm -hmm. Something else is your story is the solution. Many people may know they have a story. They have no idea when they're talking with, it can be their neighbors, it can be potential clients, it doesn't matter who it is. But when they're talking with them, and it's kind of like, well, why should anybody listen to my story? What is it about my story that connects me with you? Why would you be interested in listening? And when we connect with their pain, that's when they will be at the edge of their seat wanting a solution. Live a Great Story is another uh, a fun um a fun challenge that I do is really taking five basic concepts and showing you how you can truly enjoy a story every day. Those are more about our everyday stories, mm -hmm. how they unfold. So those are just, those are a few that, uh, that we do and just have a lot of fun doing it. You know, as you're sharing this, what comes to mind is um, a series of events that happens each morning when my wife and I come down off of the hill to uh, come to work. And uh, some mornings are very uneventful, you know, from beginning to end. You know, nothing really tr spectacular or, or interesting happens. Other mornings, uh, rather interesting and peculiar things happen. And it seems like from the time we leave the top of the hill until I get to the radio station, it repeat this particular event will repeat three or four or maybe five times. And what I'm speaking, of course, of is the way in which uh, people are, are, say, driving. And as soon as we experience the first one, we know that there are others coming of similar nature. All right, be aware. Stay awake. You know, don't go to sleep here. You know, wait till you get to the station. Then you can go to sleep. Uh, it's it's really fascinating. And certainly the term could be used, you know, okay, the first car jumps out in front of us and cuts us off. Okay, then now be aware. Don't, you don't get upset with this person. You're now aware. Okay, that's what's happening today. That's the story for this morning could be happening when I go out driving again. So stay vigilant. Don't get upset. It's this is this is the theme for today being cut off. OK, that's the theme. I know that. Ergo, I can avoid any confrontations, any collisions and so forth. Um, others, it's people running red lights. Others, it might be uh, bicyclists all over the place and you really have to be careful. And so at every turn, there's another bicycle and so on and so forth. And it seems to me that it's those kinds of those kinds of events that generate a particular type of story of of recurrence, of being awake, of being aware in your life. And you were talking just a moment ago. What was it about uh, uh, living your story, living your best story or something of that nature? 
Live a great story. Live a yes. great story. And I have to say that when in September, uh, Labor Day weekend of 1993, after I had seen the movie City Slickers and the scene where they're riding the horses and they're chatting away and Mitch says, what was your best day? And I had that experience where um, my buddy and I got there and we just kind of threw everything out of the truck and got things squared away. And then all of a sudden he's trying to tell me how to do stuff and I get upset and this and that and the other thing. And uh, and I stood up for myself. I said, I'm not doing this. I'm done. And I just up the hill and he comes up and says, you sparked my PTSD. And I said, I don't care. I says, you're not my father and you're not my professor. And I know how to wash dishes, to which I then told him the story of how I knew how growing up in a family of eight and how that was divvied up. And so that was a regular chore, washing dishes, you know. And then he had to leave to go get some uh, medical uh, tests done that were pre-scheduled. So that first day I was all by myself, no vehicle. I was basically stuck. So I figured, well, I'm not going to be stuck I'm going to have some fun here. So I got myself cleaned up. I made myself some breakfast. Then I took the boat out on the lake up and back and up and back and had a great time and came back and made myself some lunch. The other buddy showed up and, and so forth and so on. And when that day was over, I looked at it and I'm going, this was my best day. Now, I was 33 at the time. Then the next day was even better than that. Wow. This is my best day. Two best days in a row. And that went on for about a month. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty cool. So um, I think that, that waking up, becoming aware of one's life, do you find that there's some people, the reason why they don't know what their story is is because they really haven't fully woken to their lives, to themselves in that regard. I do believe that is correct. Yes, that uh, so often we allow our circumstances around us to drive us rather than being in touch internally and recognizing that when somebody cuts us off in traffic, I have a choice whether to react to that or whether to respond to it. And my choice is part of my story. And it's like that wherever we go. Mm. Somebody has said that this whole lockdown thing that we've been experiencing is we are only under lockdown physically, but we're not under lockdown in our soul and in our spirit unless we allow that to happen. And so even though uh, there are many people extremely frustrated with the holidays and not being able to get out to be with their friends and so forth. Well, uh, it wouldn't have been my first choice either. But I'm pleased to say that I could walk through this season with contentment and peace. And I, I just, I enjoyed the quietness. I enjoyed being able to set a big puzzle that I am out right now and just do some things that I normally wouldn't take the time to do. It's all about our story. Well, I'll tell you what. The aspect of the holidays in particular uh, has been very interesting for both me as well as my wife. 
or to put it grammatically for my wife and I. <laughs> um, because for the first time, we both decided we weren't going to do anything really special. Yeah, we decorated the house a little bit. And actually, they may stay up because I kind of like them. Um, but we decided that we weren't going to do that. Now, we did that one year, and I bought her something, and she was both grateful and mad as a wet hen that I did that because she wasn't able to or she couldn't or she didn't or whatever. And I, I just wanted to surprise her and so forth. So this time I told her, I says, and this year I'm not going to do that. I will not surprise you with something. We will have a nice dinner. We'll spend the weekend because it fell on a Friday, both of them. Uh, and we'll just spend the weekend just enjoying our time together and so forth and, and enter the new year and what have you. And it was really good. It was really good. So I think that um, one of the aspects of... of our story is the communication, the connection that we have. James Redfield, I'd love for you to talk about this, in, especially in terms of our story and sharing it. He said in his book, Celestine Prophecy, that uh, we have messages for one another. And it's very important that we share those messages. Because when we do, we impart a little piece of a puzzle piece to others and vice versa to allow us to start putting together the puzzle uh, picture of maybe the big picture. Uh, even though we may never finish it, nonetheless, it, it helps us and when then we in turn help them. And when we put up our shields, as they do in Star Trek, all you can do is fire weapons and scream and yell at one another. But nobody can transport or take the shuttlecraft and go in or out or anything. You can't. You, nobody can leave. Nobody can get in. Uh, and, and so that's why it's so important for us to share our stories because of those messages. Talk to us about that little piece of it. Well, I believe a big part of our message comes out of our story. So... Whatever our story is, our, and I'm not just talking the experience, but what we have worked through, what we have processed, what we've learned through it, that becomes our message. Anybody who has um, a, a deep passion about something, uh, and if you ask enough questions, that passion comes out of a transformation in their story. And now they're so passionate to pass it on with others, to bring healing when they went through such a difficult time before they found healing. But now that they have found it, they want to help others with it. You know, that can be on an emotional level, physical level, whatever it may be. And so I believe that our message is really based on our story. I have asked this question of many of my guests who have gone down this road similar to you. They have found this, this uh, pearl and um, it's helped them and now they want to share it with others. And I, I kind of put it this way to them, to you I put this, that like, look, you found 
something great that, that's really helped you and, you know, you ought to just go on and live your life, you know, because the others, eventually they'll figure it out, won't they? Or are you compelled? Are you led, drawn? Is that still small voice telling you, Linda, you got to share this. There is no if and or but about it. You have to share this. I believe that. I mean, it certainly was that for me. I, you know, I was in different career fields and so forth. But when I came to complete healing after my 45-year journey, and I knew that um, I had a new calling, and like I said earlier, to help people find, create, and share their story. And my mission is to impact a million people a year through story. I mean, that is so deep within me. It is very compelling. It's not like, I mean, I am so passionate about doing that. And um, it's been so exciting to see that journey unfold as that's only been five and a half years. And this last year, could can you believe it? In the middle of COVID, <laughs> I had my biggest opportunities ever. Mm. And a part of that was besides... 40 or 50 podcasts, radio shows. I was on three uh, television shows and uh, that went to as many as 60 million people. And so I just think, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm humbled. I am so grateful for those opportunities. But I know that if we don't share what is so deep in our heart to share, many of these people won't figure it out. And they won't find the healing. Uh, many of them lose hope and won't find the answers that they're looking for if we don't share our, our deep passion in our stories. You know, you used a key word there, hope. And I know that a lot of people feel that way, they, that they have lost hope or they're losing it. They're losing hope uh, because of what's happening. And uh, a year ago, when all of this started and they decided to shut things down, as I've said many times before, and I will probably many times again, I was so glad that they decided to do something different because it meant that we would get a different result. May not be what we like, but it's certainly going to be different, you know, and we needed to do something different. And some people refer to 2020 as uh, the year of uh, reset or reboot, you know, and so forth. And um, uh, for me, you know, it was adding another tool to my toolbox now I got to buy a bigger toolbox, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, and and to that end, you know, it's it's video editing because now we're on YouTube and people can watch these interviews and get to know you as well as myself and and uh, and 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 watch us interact and so forth and and uh, share our story with other people as well. And I hope they do that. I think that uh, as you as you say, that's uh, exactly what we want to have happen. Uh, I don't have all the answers, but I do know I'm searching and I have been searching. Uh, more actively, say, since I was 17. I still remember uh, the, the comment made to me when I said I was searching, when I was talking with, uh, I think it was a pastor uh, at the Christian station during a program. Uh, this was off air, and I sa and they says, well, you know, uh, once you find Jesus, your search is over. And I said, no, actually, once I find Jesus, my search has just begun. Mm -hmm. 
and it has taken me to places that I never, ever thought that I would uh, literally, physically, metaphorically travel. Um, it's just been it's been a great, great journey. And I look forward to the day when we can once again meet face to face and in person, uh, even if it is across the console, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, to to carry on these kinds of conversations, talking about story and talking about uh, uh, what that means and, and what a difference that can make uh, in our lives. And it's like a threefold. There's a three. It's like three steps. You got to find your story. And then you've got to know your story. OK, you find it and you know it and you share it. Those three things. Find it, know it, and share it. And um, sometimes would you say that that when we that really our lives made up of a series of stories, it isn't just, uh, you know, I was born uh, at 317 a.m. on Sunday, June 26, 1960, and I start going through all those little details, working my way up through the 60th birthday and all of that stuff. It's more... What are the significant events that took place in my life that I can remember, you know, uh, that have shaped who I am? And obviously you had one very early on. What would you say would have been would be the next uh, big event that has shaped who you are? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. I've had so many, so many big events that have shaped who I am. Most of the time, those big events, when I go back, they are painful. They're, they're part of a painful process. Uh, for example, I clearly remember with one of my careers, I had three business partners who turned their back on me. And uh, this happened to be a 13-year journey, legal battle journey. I mean, just uh, something I would have never imagined, never dreamt of when I was there to support them and everything I could. And, but I'm pleased to tell you, I hung in there in that process. And at the end, uh, not only had gotten the top awards of the company, but won a trip to Ireland and, uh, you know, just just some things I would have never imagined that could have happened. Uh, but I learned so much through that process. Um, so that, that was certainly a big event. Uh, some obviously big events like finding my life partner. We've been married now for 38 years. Um, and I didn't get married until I was 30. So that was a that was a big thing. I never thought I would, uh, you know, I barely finished college, and but then later on, when I was really challenged with my boss to go to graduate school, never dreamt I would ever do anything like that, and uh, it ended up it was the first time in my life that I enjoyed learning and enjoyed studies and got a double master's with honors in two years when I came in on probation. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and it's amazing. And so, yeah. you know, there's many, many big events, the birth of our daughters and now grandchildren. And yes, so they're not all, they're not all negative, 
but there usually is a part of that time that there has been internal conflict. Um, and um, my husband just told me the other day, he said, you know, I was almost at the point of my life where I just thought, you know, there really wasn't, um, there wasn't a female, there wasn't a girl for me. And I said, well, I'm sure thankful you didn't give up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but he was willing to wait. Yeah. And uh, people would say, how do you know? I mean, how do you know when it's the right one? And they said, you know, I remember a, a close friend told me, you will just know. And and I did. I yeah. just knew. And uh, never, you know, never yeah. been sorry. So there have been lots of lots of big events in my life. Uh, but many of them have also brought me so much joy because I was willing to walk through my story. That's one thing I learned is uh, I refused to allow myself to get stuck anywhere. I may be barely moving and taking baby steps, but I still put one foot in front of the other and would keep going the best I knew how. Hmm. You know, that's, that's wonderful. And, and, and the other, the other part of it for me too, is that you, uh, you know, it's amazing what can come out of probation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what, what are your masters in by the way? I have a master's in uh, marriage and family therapy, and I also have a master's in Christian education. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of the uh, the work that you have done using, let's say, that first master's in fa in uh, marriage and family therapy, I used to believe that, um, and this was maybe not too long after my first marriage. Uh, that um, if you really wanted it to work, it didn't matter what was going on in the relationship. You could find a way to make it work. And my my divorce attorney, whose slogan, I must tell you, was reasonable solutions for reasonable people. Uh, one of the reasons why I selected her. Um, uh, but I was in the relationship for um, 15 years. And the first 10 were terrific. And it was the last five that I had to keep telling myself, you're an intelligent guy. You can make this work. You can find ways to make this work. And I tried for five years. And I just, I, you know, are there situations that you think where two people's I'll put it in this context, since that's what we're talking about today. Two people's stories just are not compatible at some point along the way. And they really just need to go in divergent directions. I do believe there are those times. You know, it's so sad when you put all that time and investment into the relationship. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it you are responsible for your part and you cannot control your partners um your your partner at all so as long as you are doing everything that you know how and of course it's ideal if you can go for counseling but again both parties have to be willing not just to be there physically but truly to invest 
in, in with the same goal in mind to better the relationship. And, um, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. We're two different people at two different places. And, uh, you know, we can do our best in that. But um, sad to say, sometimes there, 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 there is a time where our lives just need to part. Yeah. I uh, used to listen to this tape series um, back in the 80s, early 90s from a gentleman. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. But he did this uh, series called the Maximum Marriage Series. And he had this one comment that he, he, he had this one example where he told the story of this couple that came to see him. He was a marriage and family therapy uh, counselor as well. And, um, you know, and she was just uh, just all over this guy, just blasting him every time a chance she could in the counseling session. And and he's over there almost cowering and almost in tears. You know, and and, you know, and of course, she's criticizing him even for that, you know, for showing emotion. And he says to both of them, he says, you know, I know this one's going to be a hard one for you, you both to take, but. I have a solution to your situation um, because there needs to be some forgiveness here. And, and, and uh, the, the solution here is that you both, you, you need to start. And, of course, the wife goes, well, which one of us starts? I think he should start. No, you both have to start to forgive. You both have to do it, not just one of you. Now, unfortunately, I found out years later that this guy ended up divorced too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, it happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my goals in my first marriage was to have as many, so to speak, notches under my belt as far as anniversaries as my parents who... Here in uh, 2021, uh, they will have been married uh, 65 years. My Mm. father will be 90 in August. Mother will be 87 in September. And they're still doing great and having a good time. And as far as I know, enjoying the life that they have in retirement that he's been in for, God, what, 20, maybe 25 years as far as I know. I I can't remember when he retired. But... Sometimes we're brought together for a reason, right? And when that has been met, if you will, when that has been completed, it's sort of like uh, you're brought together under a certain contract. And once the contract's fulfilled, then you guys can go your separate ways. It's like when you finish a building. All right. All right. Building's done. You guys can go. We're done. Um and sometimes that's the way it works. And in other times, as much as we'd love to live by it till death do us part, um, sometimes it doesn't make it that way. And unfortunately, there are times when <laughs> it is because of death <laughs> that the person is now separated from the other. Um, and that's hard, too. I, I still remember when I heard about my um, former parents-in-law and my former father-in-law who died of an aneurysm and his wife passed four months later from a broken heart. You know, so um, I guess it's it's looking at these events and and putting a different perspective on them instead of, oh, woe is me. It's like, OK, what am I being taught here? 
what's the lesson that I'm supposed to get from this? And again, it doesn't mean we won't grieve. Don't get me wrong. But, or feel whatever emotions we feel. Um, do men have more trouble finding and t telling their stories than do women? Um, probably, uh, I would say generally so, only because uh, story is what grabs emotion, and men generally have a harder time getting in touch with their emotions and, or being able to express their emotions. Um, you know, there are many cases where women do as well. But overall, I would say that would be the case. Uh, but on the other hand, if, if um, I have been trained under some men who have a fabulous story in, and share it with such passion, and to me, um, it speaks so loudly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, I'm sure that it was a challenge at first for you, but you share your story quite openly, freely, and, and expressively as well. Uh, but that takes time. Are there still lessons that you're learning from your early story? Good question. I, I believe there are. Uh, when I go back, I may face something in a similar situation and it triggers my past story. Mm -hmm. uh, there are lessons. There's something I came across this last summer where I, through, through an incident, I was brought... Um, Oh, just triggered my guilt. And I immediately thought about, you know, my past story. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't going to allow myself to get into that dark hole where I had been for many years. That I have the ability, I had the strength, I have, uh, I knew I could get past it. And it was two days of tears. It was still very difficult, but I did move past it. And what I discovered was that I had more strength than I realized uh, mm -hmm. because I could get past this so quickly. It was like I was taken to my most vulnerable moment. And, um, you know, I, I moved past that because I really believed when I came to complete healing with my story that. Uh, I thought if I can come to complete healing and break through that, I can I can break through anything. But I felt it was it was truly a test that I never had in all these years after that. And um, you know now it came, but I was so glad that even though it wasn't an immediate passing of that test, I did pass that test. And mm. now that uh, and I know I'm stronger than I than I even thought I was. Uh, there's a, uh, an aspect of all of this in terms of lessons learned that I'm finding very interesting as at the same time frustrating because part of my story goes back to July 24th. I've shared this story many times, not afraid to do so. I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes on July 24th of 2020. I knew why. It was because of the pandemic, not because I had gotten a virus, 
but because, like everybody else, my wife and I switched to comfort foods. And what do most comfort foods have in them? Sugar, <laughs> salt, carbs. And um, my A1C, which is supposed to be around 5.7, was 11.2. Little on the high side, don't you think? Yes. And I was in shock for about 30 minutes. And my doc was saying, oh, it's going to be a long journey, Richard. It's going to be a long journey. Told me about a guy who had a high A1C and took him six months. And as soon as I got out of the shock, I said, uh, no, this is not going to be a long journey. A very short journey is what this is going to be. As a matter of fact, that day, which was a Friday, my wife and I went to lunch, as we usually do on a Friday at noon. And uh, we went to our one of our restaurants that we like to go to that was opening. We could eat outside. And we ordered uh, one of their uh, fried chicken sandwiches. And someone said, well, whoa, that doesn't seem real healthy. I said, well, here's the thing we did. Uh, ordered it with no bread. Ordered it with a salad. Uh, we kept, of course, the chicken and all of the vegetables. And, I mean, there was tomato and, I think, avocado and lettuce and so forth and so on. And we started that meal saying, I'm cutting out as, you know, I'm, we're going back to the diet we were on before the virus, before the pandemic, before my wife was furloughed. I did this in two months. I brought my A1C down to 5.7 in less than two months. Wow. Congratulations. So, lesson learned. And now I want to look at that and go, okay, if I can do that with my blood sugar, how do I do that with other parts of my life? Do you find that people, they see those kinds of events in their life and it's like, wow, I, I am pretty damn powerful. My story is pretty damn powerful. Now, how do I convert that power into this part of my life? How do I bring that forward? How do I, how do I, and maybe this goes to the book. How do I transform my story so that now the, the story I'm living right this moment is the same kind of transformation and upward, upward glide, if you will? You know, I think about the definition of positioning, which is what we do with one thing, we do with all things. And so as you made a choice walking out of the doctor's office and how you were going to change your eating and got on top of this in two months. I mean, that is a wow. Can you make the choice in other areas of your life? As long as you are committed and serious to following the plan of whatever that may be. Hmm. I believe that is possible. For me, when I changed my story, transformed my story, it wasn't just about the next time I would face uh, the vulnerable place of guilt and shame, but to know that if I can get through that story, I can get through other places in my life, like the graduate program, mm -hmm. where I came in on probation and two years later graduated with high honors a double masters. And I thought that was because I had made a commitment, was willing to persevere, do whatever it takes. And, uh, and I did. And so I believe that that can happen. Uh, because you're taking those characteristics, what you've learned in the past, 
the character that you are today and you're saying, you know what, if I'm determined enough, I can apply my will to that new situation and I can transform my life in many other areas as well. Hmm. So we have to change our perspective of our story to look at it from that lesson learned perspective and that uh, I did it here, I can do it here, and I can do it here and here and here. And I'm, I'm hoping that people will take that, take that from the book, Transform Your Story, Letting Go of, uh, letting go of the Past When It Won't Let Go of You. And WealthThroughStories.com is the website we encourage you to go to with Linda Olson, as well as the uh, her editor, who is honored in the uh, subtitle, if you will, of uh, C.J. Uh, Chatham. And we thank her for helping you. And, of course, I, I have to tell you that I couldn't name all of the people who have helped me to get where I am today, but there were thousands and I say thousands because it wasn't just the people who were at the stations and it wasn't just my parents and family and the people I met along the way, but it was also the people I've interviewed, such as yourself, who have brought me to this moment, to this point in time. And it seems to me that's something else that we need to sort of acknowledge in our story. Uh, that, yeah, it is my story. That is true. But my story would be nothing if it weren't for the a cast of thousands. Well said. I was challenged one time to uh, think about the, oh, I think we were challenged with like just the five top people in our life who have impacted us and write them a letter of gratitude. And, mm. and I did, even though like you, I too have been impacted with you know, hundreds and thousands of people. But I do know that there are some that specifically stand out, like a president of a college and uh, one of my professors and, of course, my parents and, you know, my spouse and so forth. But uh, it's really coming with that attitude of gratitude, being grateful to know that none of us None of us would be where we are today if other people hadn't at different times in our life come alongside us, supported us, cheered us on, helped us through hard times, you know, whatever it may be. Linda Olson, I want to thank you so much for uh, being on the program today, sharing your story, as well as transform your story, letting go of the past when it won't let go of you, as well as your website, which is wealththroughstories.com. And we encourage people to go there. And, uh, yeah, we really do hope that maybe one day, not too long, not too far in the future, we can actually get together and and uh, do this face to face in person. That would be really a wonderful thing to do. As I've often said, hey, you know, we'll even take a couple of beach chairs out to the out to the beach with a couple of microphones and the surf rolling behind us and just have ourselves a nice chat about uh, whatever whatever comes up as I often say the universe asks the questions I'm just along for the ride <laughs> we can be there telling our stories I would love it <laughs> absolutely 
Before I let you go, I have three final questions, but as I have uh, mentioned at the front end of the program, I left off this information because I wanted to dive right into our conversation. This program is here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. on this fine station. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are are reposting our interviews too and thank you for doing that if you like what we're doing if this resonates with you and you'd like to help us out financially we would be gratefully appreciative and that's why we have a paypal and patreon account for your security as well as ours any amount is welcome and uh, we also encourage you of course to go to our guest website which is wealththroughstories.com linda olson has been my guest and we also want you to participate in the decade of perfect vision the 2020s go within and Find that story of you. Find that still quiet voice. Find that calm, peaceful place as well. Uh, just to relax and rejuvenate, re-energize and center yourself for, for the day ahead or the day that's gone by to reflect a little and, and prepare for the day that's coming up. So I hope that uh, you, will, uh, you will do all of that. To our guest, as we ask all of our guests throughout the programs uh, here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. First question that I know I've asked you before because you've been on the program before. Who is Linda Olson? (laughs) I'm a loving, passionate, courageous person. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? You know, my mission is, as I said earlier, to impact a million people with story on an annual basis. I want to help people to find their story, help them create it, and let them know they can take this out and impact thousands and millions of people as well. And finally, what is your life's purpose? You know, that is my life's purpose, to impact a million people a year through story. And this last year, as I said earlier, as things opened up, I felt like I knew that's what I had done with my story. Mm. But now it was like getting a promotion. Now I know the pathway. Now I can help others do that. So each year I just feel like more and more doors, bigger doors are opening up. And uh, especially with, you know, with being online, it's like I can reach so many more people than being in person, even though speaking in person is uh, is my first joy. But uh, I recognize the many advantages of doing this virtually. There's so many more people you can reach. So that is that is my life's goal. Well, I'll tell you, we're grateful for you and the work that you're doing. We encourage people to go to your website as well. And uh, we hope that uh, we can have you back on the program to talk further about story. I, I every time I think about this and when we first started doing these programs in 2007, uh, when they would talk about telling stories, obviously the first thought I had was sitting around a campfire in the evening at twilight, and uh, there they were, not sharing ghost stories per se, but maybe stories from mythology, or maybe their story, or uh, you know some other type of story that might have some kind of a, a wonderful message in it, or maybe that was just fun to listen to. And this was indeed, for me, fun to listen to, and I thank you again for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I really enjoyed it as well. 
And I thank you folks for listening and watching. That's right. We're on YouTube. I don't want to forget the fact that we are on YouTube. So you can watch these videos as well. You can watch these interviews of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.